This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, everyone. Welcome to I Don't Know About That, silent podcast coverage of U.S. Survivor. Today, we are talking about episode 10 of Survivor 45, How Am I the Mobster? And guys, I don't take comedic moments in Survivor lightly. Like, these are my bread and butter of survivor as a whole you know if you know me you know that like yeah strategy is great but it's the camp life segments that really get me and perhaps we might have found my favorite segment of the new era so far and i am honored to be sharing talking about this moment with another wonderful lady in podcasting it is our own ladies night here the one and only geneva guadalupe hello geneva hello gia i am so happy to be here and you know what you're right actually i feel like this season specifically of survivor has just had a lot of funny moments and just maybe it's just they cast they casted a group of comedians or something like loki yeah i run with me on this i feel like at this point there's always a handful of people, like maybe one or two at the most. You know, I don't dislike anybody that much in Survivor. But uh, I think that for the past few seasons, I've gotten to this point and there's always like, okay, I'll be happy if everybody but this person wins or these two people win. Not always for like personal reasons, but just like, oh, they're just not my preference to win. I genuinely love everyone that is left on this cast I think I've just loved this cast as a whole there's not anybody that I felt too uh too much dislike for from the jump but I am so excited that we have this cast I think this is uh this final eight was great I am really sad that we lost Bruce and in this episode I would really I had a theory that he was going to be our final four fire making guy this season and I was wrong I was wrong and that's upsetting 
but I am still so happy about the fact that like we have such a fantastic cast. We had a fantastic final eight. And while I'm sad to see Bruce be voted out with an idol in this pocket, I really genuinely think like we also are still left with a fight fantastic final seven going into next week episode. So there's a lot to look forward to here. Yeah, no, I do think that this great, this cast has been overall really great. And I think we've been kind of seeing a lot of the depths of their story. So I've really appreciated the 90 minutes. I think that's brought us a lot of great content and has gotten us to kind of delve into each individual person a bit more, which I've enjoyed. And like you said, you know, you probably should have been right with that prediction with Bruce because, you know, even the whole cast thought Bruce was probably going to play his idol, right? Yes. So it was so unfortunate to see him go because also he is one of those people who has been bringing the entertainment like has been having a lot of fun out there and like it's just been really enjoyable to watch him and it was kind of really disappointing to see the episode and the way that it did. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like the episode as a whole was so good. Um but yeah, seeing Bruce go home at the very end of it kind of put a damper on it for me, but it does kind of open the game wide for right now because while I'm disappointed that the Reba 4 are still together, not because I dislike the Reba 4, but because I was kind of hoping someone would make a move by now. But I genuinely still don't believe that the Reba 4 are going to be the final four of the season, even And I don't think they're going to need, like, whoever the person left in Final Five is, um, like, the outlier in Final Five to, like, win immunity to break up the the final or the four Reba members. I do think that there is going to be a flip happening soon at some point. I'm really hopeful, boy, just to shake up the game a little bit. Again, no hate to the Reba four here. They had some great moments this episode as well. And... Um, I I still am holding on to the fact that we have not seen Julie give Austin back his second idol. Um, they made sure to show it on the previously on credits of this episode and still yet to see anything here. So I'm so intrigued about what is in store for us for this next episode. I I think something's a Bruin. I, I feel like they would not have shown this segment to us if it wasn't going to have some sort of conclusion here, even though it was oddly just not in this episode. Yeah, you know, I feel like edits are, are there for a certain reason. They they don't want us to forget certain elements. And even though it wasn't necessarily relevant in the focal point now, it's clear that it's probably going to come up as part of the story later. So I think it was good that that was included. And I similarly was actually really, really hoping for a move. Um, I just feel like, you know, the Reba 4 has been quite dominant. And so I just was kind of like, okay, there are four people who are not in the Reba 4. <laughs> like, yeah. this is, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, for, like prediction-wise, I think the thought is that even when we saw with this preview for the next episode, there's the possibility that that move will be made you know, internally for final seven or final six, I could see it happening. But I was just kind of like, you know, another way to alternatively open up the game could have been, you know, that move, whether it was against Julie or Drew or some other individual, because, you know, they've been together, the four have been together for so long. So yeah, it's kind of like, why would they necessarily break away from each other at this point in time? 
when they have the numbers. And so that was kind of, at least for me, I was just kind of like, you know, you don't want this majority to steamroll the game. So I was a little disappointed, but I also see, you know, why, you know, the people who made the move made the move that they did, because I think it does at least open up the shot for people winning immunity. You have one advantage that's away and gone. You don't have to worry about anymore. But I think, you know, it's kind of like, who did, you know, Bruce really like have like in comparison when you compare him to like a core of four. Yeah. So I'm of, I'm of two thoughts for this move and I'm interested to hear yours. So I've heard a lot of people's opinions about was Emily voting out Bruce here, the right move. Right. And be, and by that, I mean that like Emily wanting purposefully make deceiving Bruce so that he wouldn't play his idol as opposed to either getting him to flush his idol or turn the votes on somebody else here, um, particularly one of the Reba members. And I do sort of think that this was not the correct move for Emily. Definitely not for Jake and Katora, the other two Bellow members here. However, um, I have also seen, uh, and I'm so sorry if you're listening to this and this was your tweet that I read because I cannot remember for the life of me who tweeted this, but essentially what I read was something along the lines of like Bruce was such a big target at this point in the game that it was really uniting the Reba four in that like their games can't really splinter from each other until Bruce is gone. So now that Bruce is gone, even though the edit is giving Emily credit for this move, this is actually the best thing that can happen for our hopes of splitting up Reba because now that that initial target is gone, then that actually opens up the opportunity for the Reba people to turn on one another. However, I also, taking that into consideration, am thinking for myself, um, I know a lot, like, I don't believe Emily knows about both of Austin's idols. I don't think she knows about the second one at the very least. Um, I don't know what, uh, how much information uh, any of these people have been given about each other's advantages. However, I do think that the best time to blindside someone would be when there is such an obvious target in place in front of them. So like Bruce would be that obvious target here that seems like such an obvious person to go here. And that was the person that ended up getting voted out here. But I also felt that like, okay, if you have that obvious target, what a time to blindside one of the unimmune Reba four members. Now, in my opinion, I think like the best option would be Austin because of his idols, but Austin is immune. So like, obviously they can't do that here, but like even taking out a target, like, D or Drew or Julie here, like I think especially taking out someone like Drew who seems to have his hands in so many pockets here, I feel like that is really the time to take someone out like that. And I think that that split can still definitely happen. However, um, I think keeping Bruce in the game as like that obvious target would have avoided any advantages being played in that case. Um, so it would be very interesting to see where they go, especially since they had this backup plan to split the boats with Jake. Imagine if they had actually pulled through a blindside on one of the unimmune Reba members here. Like, I don't think that any of them would have been tempted to even play any type of advantage here. 
Yeah, I think the goal should have been to definitely flush Bruce's idol and get rid of it. But I didn't think that getting him out was probably the move that needed to be made. I think yeah. that Emily could have succeeded by doing both ensuring that he played the idol, but also, you know, ensuring that she's able to make a move. Because I think the the challenge that she does have here, and she did mention it in this episode, is that, you know, she is aligned with, you know, the guys in Reba. But the, but the problem is, is that we see that there's clearly a four here. So it's like, where is she like, you know, on, on their list of priority. And so ultimately it's like to ensure that, you know, you are in a, you know, a better spot, especially not at the bottom, you want to be able to do what you can to kind of set yourself up for success. And it's like, you know, maybe taking out a Julie or a D, you know, I think would allow her the opportunity to ensure that they're more with her. So I think it, that was kind of more the, um, I guess, disappointing thing for me, just because I just felt like if there's a clear four here, you, you should be trying to split them up, right? Especially yeah. if you have allies in that four, but maybe not taking them out, of course, kind of like I mentioned, because I think ultimately you want to make sure it's not like, okay, they're going to just vote this person out next, this person out next, this person out next, and then they're you know, the final four. And I I do understand that there was, I think, a challenge for the people who are not in the repo four. They, I think, have gotten to the point where their situations were either Bruce lied to them or, you know, they were just kind of dealing with the difficulty of like, can can the four of us even work together? Because there wasn't that sort of trust that even existed there. But I think that was just kind of the... I don't know. It just wasn't the move that I would have made personally. Yeah. And obviously hindsight's twenty twenty with a lot of these things. So I'm sure we'll either be talking about how right we were next episode or eating our words next episode, depending on the outcome. But these are definitely some factors that have been playing in on repeat in my mind about kind of like some of the outcomes here. But I think that, you know, there were some interesting dynamics that we hadn't previously discussed here. And we had talked about previously on this episode about how uh, Julie wasn't really getting the mother edit, which we found very refreshing. And then, of course, it came up this episode right after I posted the old ep the episode from last week about us you know, talking about how Julie really isn't getting that edit. And I think she is still a fantastic character. But it was interesting to see how she is taking the game uh, personally. You know, it's very hard for her, even though she's doing it well, but getting people to warm up to her and then having to vote them out and, like, forming these genuine bonds with people. And I imagine as somebody that, you know, we have both played uh, allergies, orgs, you've played allergies, I've played orgs before, but like that, even though it's definitely not at the same stakes as Survivor in terms of like playing on uh, national television for a million dollars, there's definitely still the stress of voting people out that comes with it. And so like, I feel like it definitely made me more empathetic for uh, survivor players because Geneva I hate voting people out especially if I unless I like actually hate the person that I'm voting out which rarely ever happens I am just like I, I do not enjoy it whatsoever I would do it for money but you know it it would be I, I could definitely uh, sympathize with uh, Julie here about like yeah it sucks sometimes especially when you like the person yeah I think it, it could uh, definitely 
have a toll on you depending on the context in which you're playing. So for example, there are some games that I've played where I've played with complete strangers. um, And there are some games that I've played that have had my friends in them. And I think those, especially when you like really form those bonds and relationships with people from a social standpoint, it can be difficult to cut them because in reality, it's like, you know that strategically this might be the best move for your game to move forward. But then, especially when we're at this phase of the game, you also have to realize how do you, I guess, send somebody home, but also ensure that they're not, I guess, bitter against you or that you might not get their vote or like, how do you manage your jury? Because I think that's a very important part of the game. And so I, I felt for Julie because it is it is difficult where you know that you form these bonds with people. And to her, it, se- it seemed like they were genuine bonds that she wanted to form with these individuals. But the reality was, is that that's not, you know, her her core group, her core people. So they wanted to get people out. So she, you know, went along with it or helped kind of make that happen. And so it can be challenging, especially knowing how they might respond to it. Um, and so, yeah, it can definitely be tough, especially, you know, but I think sometimes, especially when you're in a situation where you want to get revenge, there have been times where I'm like, yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting, exciting to pull off a move to get somebody out of the game. Right. Oh, it's when it's someone that's, when it's someone that's done you dirty, it is so, it is so fucking good. I love it. But like when it's somebody that you've generally formed a bond with and you you know, that you really don't want to vote them out, but you know, is like the premise of the game, it is necessary for you to vote out everyone else if you want to be the victor in this case. And uh, yeah, that was, it could definitely, it's got some satisfying feelings to it, but yeah, it really hurts when it's somebody that you actually enjoy on a personal level. But, and so I definitely, I feel that for Julie and I like that they included this in this episode and it wasn't her boot episode because they always hate when they like give sudden spurts of character development right when that person is going home we like we give you just enough to see this person as more than a contestant in an alliance and now they're going home so like now all those good feelings you felt for them are just like crushed because now they're not in the game anymore all of your like rooting interest in them and i am worried for julie in the future about her game but I'm also really excited to see what's going to happen here and what we're going to get from her in the future because I still really think that Julie is going to be the one to flip make the initial flip against Reba whether she is the one that is going to be successful is a completely different story but I we have definitely seen some little sparks here and there of Julie knowing that she's got to get some of the Reba members out to elevate her own game. And I really respect that we are seeing that instead of it just being, you know, uh, Julie being treated as like a blind follower of the alliance she made at the start of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm really kind of excited to see where that goes. But I think it's also very interesting to hear how people were trying to think of you know, the alternative, even though we didn't see people end up voting, really, you know, other than the whole Bruce Jake thing, I think it was kind of intriguing to think, okay, well, people actually consider consider Julie to be a serious contender. If she makes it to the end, she could easily take the money. Um, So I think, you know, the people who may in the edit may have been shown as underestimated, or maybe that people might perceive or underestimated, I think they're rising. And in reality, 
they're becoming these really big, strong contenders in the game. And even we kind of heard that a lot with how I think maybe people have perceived themselves. And I think one thing that was great about this episode was I think a lot of the other fellow contestants, even though this is a game, you know, and they're fighting for money. I think the reality is, is that in some ways they do become a family. They do become support for one another, even with this distrust. Um, So it was in a sense, heartwarming to see um, everybody lifting up and supporting one another. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And that brings us to the reward challenge, which I thought was excellent. Not the challenge itself, but the actual reward. I thought it was um, not necessarily the reward that was offered, but everything that resulted from the reward was my favorite about not just this episode, but of the new era, like more content like this. And we would never get this with the 60 minute episodes. We would never have gotten this much content. But for this reward challenge, it's like a, it's a fairly, uh, what's the word? Fairly basic, fairly standard uh, challenge in Survivor. They grab a ball on their way. Like they maneuver it through several obstacles. And then they maneuver the ball through the table maze. And the first person to land it in the center of that maze would win an overnight trip to the sanctuary, which I loved overnight trips, with uh, a turkey dinner. So this feels like they were trying to uh, air this around Thanksgiving time and just miss the mark a tad. And they're also getting letters from home, which we haven't really seen a uh, letters at home proper uh, in a while. So this has been very nice to see. And so, I, you know, this I, I, I say it all the time, Geneva. I kind of spaced out for like the actual challenge portion of this, but I watched at the end and Emily came out victorious and won reward here. And I really liked what she had to say about how like, so Emily has not been on a reward yet. And a lot of people were promising her that they would take her on reward if they won, which is very sweet. It was nice that they are willing to do that just for the plain fact that she hadn't been on a reward yet. And but she had said that, you know, that's nice. But also, I don't want to be the person that's just taken on the reward. I want to win because like I won the challenge. I deserved to win. I deserve to go on the reward challenge because I'm the one that won. So I really liked that perspective from her and that she was able to pull out a win, even if it is like uh, just like a personal victory. Uh, I don't know if this this reward itself necessarily had any impact on the game as a whole, but it was very fun to see. And she ends up picking uh, Julie, Dee, and Katora for her on this reward, which eventually turns into what is the greatest segment in the new era ever, which is girls' night at the sanctuary and boys' night at camp. You know, it's funny, though, even though you're like, oh, this probably wasn't the biggest move. Jeff at the end was like trying to get people for for casting purposes. He's like, oh, Emily made like the biggest move in the game. And I was like, okay. But you know what? Actually, I guess an important conversation did happen at the sanctuary. So I guess I will acknowledge, though, the reality of the plan that ended up happening. And I guess more specifically, you know, Katura asking that more votes be put on Bruce in case he doesn't play the idol so that he goes first. So I guess that aspect of the plan, I guess, became important because, you know, um, in the end, Bruce went home. Uh, but yeah. I think, though, like you said, I think they were really building this uh, 
a reward challenge even more than probably it needed to be built. But I think it was a very um, really great conversation, I think, between the women. And I think we got to know a lot about them and the relationships and their motivations for being there and I guess their support systems that they have in their lives. Um, so I think it definitely was um, a great segment. And I, I was happy for Emily, too, because in essence, it's like you want to, you know, feel rewarded because you actually did did the work or you know fought hot, hard to actually get there rather than people kind of feeling bad for you and wanting to take you because they were doing that because then I think in some ways it probably felt like that to her that people were maybe pitying her or something like that so her being able to win um, and beat out everybody that she perceived to maybe be stronger or um, bigger competitors than her um, and her prevailing in the end I think was really great you know story story wise. Oh, 100%. And we got these fabulous shots of Emily with uh, in her confessionals at the sanctuary with a big glass of sangria in her hand, which I loved. I requested people send me screenshots of this, and they did not disappoint. I, they, My thread was flooded with Emily pictures, and it was much appreciated. Um, but it was just so fun. It was so funny for me to see the – like, there was a little bit of – uh, strategy talk at both camps, but the big thing was the entertaining part for me was guys night at camp, girls night at the sanctuary, and just all the shenanigans that came about as a result of it. It was even Drew, who is like does not consider himself like a guys guy or like so what that would partake in guys night on uh, a regular basis, was uh, joining in on the fun, and it was very funny to see here. These these guys, oh my gosh, they're they're too much. They're like, oh, you know, oh, I haven't farted in this these many days. I don't know. It, it just, yeah, <laughs> it's just like I was like, what is this conversation? But yeah, the guys are being guys. They were excited to hang out with each other, bro around, you know, go fishing, yeah, do that stuff. So um, I guess it was, you know, I guess enjoyable to see them in their own element. But then also, I guess maybe somewhat also, I don't know. Well, I guess, you know, the, the things that they were doing are normal aspects of life. But it's just like, it's just kind of funny because they kind of basically hinted, oh, they've been they've been kind of restraining themselves around the women and not necessarily doing the things that they would normally do on a normal basis. Um, oh, yeah. So that was kind of a, you know, a interesting segment in itself. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I did like um, the edit. Wh whoever did the editing for these segments did an incredible job because I was cracking up when we by the time we got to guys night. Um, but it was such a great time. There was also something very interesting that happened at both camps, which we will talk about. Um, so at the very beginning of this episode, Bruce tells Katora and Jake that he gave his idol to Kelly because he was worried about knowledge is power. And then uh, Kelly got voted out with it. So because of that, you know, like Bruce doesn't actually have his idol anymore. Then the difference in this is that he actually tells Katora that that is not real because, um, but that's what he's going to tell Jake and hope that Jake spreads it to other people so that they do think that he doesn't have his idol. And Katora thinks this is so stupid. And it's like, why? Like, who would believe this? Well, Jake believes it. And so do Austin and Drew when I guess Bruce was right and Jake told them about uh, told them about it. So they all assumed that the uh, 
that Bruce did not have his idol anymore. And then uh, Katora tells the ladies the truth at the sanctuary is that this is what Bruce is going to say. And uh, it is untrue. He told me that it's not true. He just wants people to think that he doesn't have an idol to play. Um, I, I was kind of sad that Katora told them the truth, but I was also just kind of like, honestly, this wasn't even really necessary because if he didn't, either way, they would have thrown votes at him and he should have played his idol anyway. So it didn't really change the outcome, whether or not she would have told him about, like she actually told them about it. But I was kind of hoping that they would let the lie fester a bit just to kind of see what would happen. I was low-key disappointed actually high key disappointed that katura actually exposed the secret because i i just would have wanted to see how it would have played out one and two like i think because at this point in time i was very interested in the four and not in reba to potentially work together for a move i just kind of felt like this assured that that wasn't going to happen even if it was just for one vote um, so it was a little disappointing in that regard and but you know i think d made a interesting comment that it was true like I feel like Bruce is saying this a little too late to be believable. Why was this lie not, you know, brought up sooner? And I just kind of actually wish Bruce never brought up the lie to begin with. Cause I think in reality, it kind of, even though it wasn't really the difference between him going home or not per se, I do think it definitely contributed to people not having as much trust in him and willingness to work with him, which also kind of contributed probably to that other four, not being a four, even if it was temporary. Cause you know, telling telling Katura, you know, that it, it was a lie, right? And then telling Jake as if it's the truth. And then as we find out later, Jake will find out about it. So I think that's kind of where there was that that kind of issue and that disconnect. Yeah. So for me, it was disappointing, though, because I was hoping that maybe she would keep the secret. But I mean, considering we have seen that most of... Un- and unfortunately, I say this, but most of Katura's edit has been about her versus Bruce, right? Yeah. So I guess it wasn't surprising per se, but sometimes I kind of wish sometimes people would stay quiet about information just to see what would end up happening if they didn't actually vocalize it right away. And then it's spreading like wildfire. Yeah, it's be interesting to see what would have happened, but I don't necessarily blame Katora for spilling the secret uh, I'm just nosy and want to see what would happen but also I kind of agree it was a little late to be telling that lie right when we get to this is Bruce's second tribal council in the entire game that he has been uh he has been vulnerable I should say he's been immune eight times out of the ten times that there were out of the ten tribal councils that we have had and uh, I did find that really interesting but um I think that you know it was I think the outcome would have been the same whether or not she told that lie or not. So it would have been interesting to see. Um, But one thing I did want to talk about a little bit more before we start going to kind of like the immunity challenge and its aftermath here was that uh, we get the letters from home. We get some really sweet segments with like uh, Dee and her, I think it was her sister who wrote her letter in Spanish. So she was reading it in Spanish, which I thought was really sweet. And um uh, Emily and her uh, her boyfriend, Eric, um, we had this really cute segment here, and Julie, uh, her kids, um, and we talked a little bit about uh, Julie's life post-divorce, I believe, 
And then uh, um, we get to Katora's one, and I I don't know if they get multiple letters or if they get a single letter, but I think it's like a packet of letters. And one of them was from her mom, who is someone that she went no contact with last year. So um, I don't even think she read the letter, um, but we don't see her read it or anything like that. But this is a very emotional moment and a very big first in Survivor where um, – you know, it, uh, I think Mike Bloom said it really well on Twitter before where he was talking about how, you know, like family, the family letters are supposed to be a sentiment from home, like a time of comfort and um, important, like uh, strength and uh, being able to be comforted by remembering uh, who your loved ones are back home, like a little mental break from the game. And then this is just more stressful. So I know Katora will probably talk about it in her own time. So I don't want to make any assumptions about what happened here, but it just feels uh, very odd that they would include this letter if they knew about her going no contact in here. So I'm interested to learn more and I will wait on my thoughts on that for, um, for like when Katora actually speaks about that. But um, you know, I really commend Katora for actually talking about it and uh you know experiencing that on tv because i can't be an easy vulnerable moment to share on this platform that is survivor yeah i think similarly i kind of feel the same way however if it was not something that she would have wanted then i wouldn't feel great about it and i wonder also if that could have potentially had a um, contributing factor to later events in the episode for Katura, but that's what yeah. I'll say more on a general sense. Um, but I do think hearing the other letters um, really also kind of, I think, speak to um, just our time to get to really know the players and their motivations and their families and their environments. And just even, you know, Emily saying like, she never thought that she wanted to get married in the decade she's been with her boyfriend and then now, you know, like being in this experience and experiencing Survivor has really changed her mind on that yeah. experience. But also, and then I also really liked when, um, I guess I thought it was kind of cute, but also corny, like when, when Katura read like her sister <laughs> note saying like, you know, you, you don't need to find an idol. You're my idol or whatever. Who is this that had this one? The... I think it was Katura's sister. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's really wholesome. I kind of like that. Um, that was really sweet um so yeah so I think uh just getting those you know support kind of gives ideally these players that extra of you know I think motivation to carry through the game so not only are they getting the sustenance from the turkey and the pie and everything like that but they're getting that you know additional I guess support to power through these days when they're basically around people that they can't a hundred percent fully trust. And the only people that they can trust aren't even physically, you know, in that space in survivor. So I, you know, I think that sometimes it's always nice to um, see those moments if, you know, I think, cause it seemed like they meant a lot to um, the woman there. Yeah, I agree. Um, great, great segment overall. I'm excited to hear more in her testimony um, after the show or um, when we get exit press from her, whether that's she's voted out or she makes it to the end of the game. So that'll be interesting to see moving forward. The only other real part of note that I can think of 
for this episode before the immunity challenge was that Jake is getting really frustrated with being left out of the vote. So he tries to spearhead this vote towards Drew. Drew is obviously mad about it, and it turns into a tiff between both of them. That's really the only way I can explain it, Geneva, is that, like, this was a tiff. This was them not, like, both bickering about each other playing the game, and it was very funny. I, I did, Literally one since- of the funniest things I've ever seen on the show. Like, I loved that scene so much. Like, it yes. was so funny and so iconic, but it's also, like, Drew's like, why me? Like, there's an island full of people, and it's like, but... There's seven Drew, you're people, not- other people. To, like, there's six other people besides you too, Drew. It's not really full of people. And it's also like, but you're also talking to Emily about how Jake is the backup plan if Bruce yeah. doesn't go home. So it's like, I mean, of course you, who cares if you try to save him twice? You're not saving him now. And I think that's yeah. what's the most relevant part of like what's happening at this point. So I don't know. It was just like, it was just so funny. It's like, uh, I love the arguments on Survivor where both people are wrong because like Drew is definitely wrong in this scenario because like he is throwing out Jake's name and like this is fair game for Jake to like throw his name out. Even if he wasn't saying Jake's name here, like this is just what is done in Survivor. So it makes no sense. But also like Drew can be upset when he hears his name being called. So it's just like this this is just a dumb fight that would only happen in Survivor, but it's still super funny that it happened and that uh Drew was so adamant about like why it shouldn't be his name being thrown and then neither of them go home. So this feels like a very uh uh a very useless argument to have, but it's so funny. But Gia isn't, you know, isn't Jake the mobster? He is the mobster, but he doesn't think so. He doesn't think he's the mobster. Um, he, uh, you know, and there's some truth in that because I think Jake is trying really hard and not necessarily getting, he has not gotten a break in a long time in this game. This merge has been very tough on Jake. Um, and I feel bad for him, but, you know, he's still in the game. So, you know, he's doing something right here. And uh, he's provided some really great moments. So. Good on Jake. Very great moments. Very great one-liners. It's, yes. it's just been great from Jake. So shout out to you, Jake. Thanks for the Shout content. out to Jake. We love Jake. We're big Jake fans here. I am. I hope we get him as a podcast guest at some point in the future. Ooh. We're big fans of him. All right. And then we get to the immunity challenge. And it's so it's very similar, not exact, but similar to the challenge that we got originally in the final four of Survivor Fiji. They're on a slanted plank and they hold up the um, or they have to hold on to uh, these handles on the side of the plank and basically just not fall in the water. Um, In the original format in Fiji, they had it up on there. I think they had to hold up to the bars on the top. And they had water pouring down on him. So slightly different. And then they also have had variations of this in um in Survivor South Africa and Survivor Australia, both won by winners in their season, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Dino mm-hmm. for South Africa and Pia for Survivor Australia. So it's kind of a big mix. And then, of course, Dreams Heard won this challenge originally in Survivor Fiji. So, you know, a lot of icons winning here. Um, this is where we get the moment that you were talking about earlier, Geneva, with Katora having a bit of a panic attack in um, – 
while she was on the plank um, and wanting to come down. Uh, I I found that very interesting. It was really difficult to watch for me. This is not like something that I enjoy watching. Um, and actually on my TikTok timeline today, uh, Katora's uh, response video to this moment actually came out. So I highly recommend people go look at her TikTok to hear her testimony in her own words about what happened. Um, she described herself as someone that did not have panic attacks before. She even recognized this as a panic attack in the first place. Um, but that like, you know, this was really difficult for her to watch back. But I think this is just a testimony to more of Katara's strength as a player and as a person that, you know, like this is not something easy to live through. And not only is she talking about it, she is having to experience it along like for a second time with Mm -hmm. everybody else in the world that is watching this. So um, a lot of sending a lot of love Katora's way. This was a very difficult episode for her and um, for several reasons. But, you know, she's in the final seven. So I'm so happy that we still have her in the game. Me too. I Yeah, this was really tough to watch. And I don't know. I this is just my I don't know personal take on this situation, but I felt like sometimes when I think Jeff was trying to motivate, I don't know if it really came off that way or like he was not trying to pressure her, but I just felt like there was that pressure there still. Um just kind of from like, you know, trying to encourage her to jump in the water and that sort of thing. Like I felt like the pressure was still there even though he was saying it wasn't there. But that was just yeah. at least my perception on it. Um, but I think ultimately it was good to see how, um, the fellow, uh, you know, castaways were there to support her in that, in that time that she was, um, going through that and, and, and struggling through that. Um, because, you know, I, I can't imagine, but I think that it kind of shows, um, and provides a lot of, um, this season, I think in general has provided a lot of, I think, awareness of like, you know, the, the, how challenging Survivor is and the challenging experiences that people go through their lives. And, you know, I think being able to witness that on screen. And I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, some of these experiences are either, you know, relatable because maybe they know someone who's gone through something of that sort or uh, maybe have gone through experience themselves. So I think that the fact that, you know, we've been able to see a variety of different people, different backgrounds and experiences, uh, you know, I think be open and vulnerable um, has been, I think, just a new um, way of viewing Survivor. And so I think that's been really um, interesting for the, I guess, not only for storytelling, but I think also just um, for the types of people who come out to play this game and kind of seeing them be um, open and vulnerable with others. Oh, yeah, 100%. And uh, it comes down to Austin versus Bruce here. I really thought Bruce was going to get his third immunity win in a row. This does seem like something that is up his alley for challenges that he's good at. Same thing with Austin, though. And we haven't really seen much of his challenge prowess in a while. Um, So this was a new thing for us, I guess, that, you know, he made it that he not not just made it to the final two. We've been used to seeing Bruce versus Julie for a while, but Austin versus 
uh, Bruce was happening this round, and Bruce does eventually drop, and Austin wins immunity here. Uh, he didn't really need it, but he still won. And I guess he needed it in that they couldn't vote out Bruce if mm-hmm. he won immunity. So it works out for everybody but Bruce here. Yeah, I guess it was good for the resume. He could say, oh, I want to, you know, immunity. Yeah. So that's nice. But I think that at least ensures that they only have to worry about um, the idol or flushing it. Because if Bruce was immune, then definitely Bruce would not be playing an idol of any sort, probably. So yeah. I think that that at least secured the chance that maybe Bruce could go home or Bruce would stay, but, you know, yeah. would not have his idol any longer. Yeah, and then this vote comes down when, like, once we get back to camp, obviously Bruce is, like, considered as a target. But we also have two other names come up here, which is that um, they are obviously splitting the votes between Jake and Bruce because just what else are they going to do with their time? That just seems to be the way things go is that they're splitting votes on Jake somewhere. Yeah. So this is – wait, one quick thing. So um, when Jeff was talking about the carnival – like. Oh, with the scone? <laughs> I heard an answer to this. Uh, do okay. you Have you heard? Yes. So no. apparently in the deep south, I don't know how deep of the south, but apparently in the south, scones are what they call fried dough. There are like okay. certain segments. So like when he's talking, and Jeff is, I believe, from Kansas or somewhere that would have fairs and probably call them scones. So this is actually just a, vena- uh, this is a regional thing. So I I forget that Jeff is Southern, but, or that he is from. But then Kansas is technically Midwest. So then that's where I'm like, Midwest, Yeah. So So I I don't know. I I guess I was just thrown off because personally, so I'm, I guess I'm from, I'm from Florida. So that's like fake South, I guess, but it does have Southern elements, but I've also lived in the Midwest and I've gone to many state fairs, but they've never really called fried dough the scones so that really threw me off so i was like what carnival has scones and then jake made the joke like what carnival have you seen this immunity challenge at like yes (laughs) which is also very true yes but you Um, know that's the thing you know people use different terminology so that definitely makes more sense i think with context so thanks for being here of course yeah so for those wondering what the kind of carnival serves scones he means fried dough or funnel cakes based on whatever you call it for a regional thing but i guess where jeff hung out for carnivals they serve scones which is the same thing so they're not thinking like the tea and scones you get at uh um you get in uh, England, or I guess that would be like the default place you would think and not where any of us would imagine scones are Oh, yeah. So they split the plan is to split the votes between Bruce and Jake. Katora comes up with Emily saying that, like, they want to target Julie because uh, Julie is really well liked and they don't want to sit next to her in the final three. So that's another alternative plan here. And that's the one they tell Bruce. So Bruce is planning on voting Julie tonight and he actually does end up voting Julie tonight. Um, but then, uh, Emily has a different idea here. She tells Bruce that the plan is Julie, but what they really want to do is she wants him to be comfortable to not play his idol so that they vote out 
Bruce instead. Um, everyone is pretty much expecting that Bruce is going to play his idol, that he'll flush his idol here. And then uh, the Reba four think that it's going to be Jake going if that happens. And then the other players think that it's going to be Julie. Um, but Emily does not want this to happen. She wants to ensure that Bruce is going here. So that's how she is going to vote here. Yeah, I mean, she definitely got a move for her resume, so that's nice. Uh, whether, you know, I guess people will agree or not, but I think at least yeah. in the edit, it showed that that she kind of uh, really encouraged uh, Bruce basically to make him feel comfortable, and it's clear that that's what happened because to me, it's still, it's still, I don't know, I'm still shocked that he didn't play his idol because it just felt like, I don't know. Everyone's like, uh, you know, but then I guess his thing was like, okay, well we have the votes, right? If it's Julie. And then he's probably also like, okay, not only do we have the votes, but like, um, you know, there would be less of a chance of me, you know, going home if people won't vote me because they think I already have an idol. So it would be a waste. But the reality is, is that wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so, um, you know, as we saw, Bruce was the main target and if Bruce played the idol maybe it would have been Jake I know it feels I like neither of these options I really I, I didn't like want him. I don't want any of these people to go like can we just have final tribal council now please and like Caleb Kendra and uh, Kelly can just uh, pick together but uh, no, I already like we've already done so much gone through so much heartbreak here. But yes, we do end up getting to tribal council and Bruce does not play his idol and he is voted out for three, one with four votes on Bruce being um, Emily, Jake, Julie and Katora. So Katora comes on top with her rivalry with Bruce. Uh, the votes for Jake are Austin D and Drew and then Bruce voted for Julie here. And um, what was it? There was something else that I was going to say. Um, I am so sad that the Katora Bruce rivalry has come to an end. This was one of my favorite continuing storylines here. And I was so sad to see it happen. But uh, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, I guess in one way I am looking forward to seeing uh, Katura navigate this game, you know, without that rivalry and just kind of mm. seeing like where she goes next and like who she ends up really working with closely and who she ends up targeting. Cause I feel like that will be at least for me more captivating. Cause I, I, you know, I think the rivalry was fun, but it got to the point where at least the edit focused on it, I think a little bit too yeah. much for my liking. Oh right? yeah, definitely. So I just was like, I wish I knew more about like Katura outside of this. Cause she seems like a really great person and smart person and like I'm really glad that like we got to know her a bit more throughout this episode although unfortunately I think some of those things she probably wish weren't on screen um yeah. and I you know I empathize with her for those things um so yeah but I think that it was kind of I guess it, for her I'm really happy that I guess she was able to prevail <laughs> Because yeah. it finally happened. Um, but, you know, I think watching Bruce this season has been a lot of fun. I think he's brought, you know, fun and entertainment from, you know, mm -hmm. the dancing, being himself, winning immunities. He got the chance to kind of live out his dream, like, 
for real this time because, you know, the last time didn't really work out as well. So I'm just really happy he got the chance to actually play. And you know what? I am actually really happy that Bruce is our first returning player of the new era. I think that this is a really good choice for the new era. I think he was a really dynamic character. Sometimes he was a goofball. Sometimes he was painted more as like the villain or the antagonist of the episode. Um, He got some immunity wins. He found an idol. He didn't play the idol, but, you know, he still experienced a lot. And he got eighth. And like, this is all for someone that placed eighth. And he went from uh, last place being medically evacuated to eighth place. So that's a fantastic jump. And it's really interesting to see. Um, I was really happy with what those storylines we got with Bruce. And I'm excited to see the game move forward without him. But I am really appreciating what we got from him this season. And again, definitely a fantastic choice for somebody to bring back. I feel like this was definitely a player that was really living in the moment every step of the way. So I was so happy about it. Absolutely. I I really enjoyed watching his journey and getting to know more about him as a person yeah. and and also just seeing him have fun. And I think what I I think it's exciting to see people have fun in such a serious intense game. Um and he just was generally enjoying the ride and you yes. know, I think he had quite an experience. So it was good to see. Agreed. And next time on segment, um, it feels like it's pretty much the same old. There's talking about breaking up Reba in some form. I still think Julia is going to uh, deflect from the Reba four at some point. I think it'll be a really hard sell if they try to get rid of D here for her. But I think uh, she's more likely to go for it if it's a vote between uh, Austin or Drew. What do you think, Geneva? I'm curious to see what if you have any predictions for next episode. Are we losing a Reba member here? I mean, I think that for at least in the people who are not in Reba, I think it's in their best interest to work together and potentially pull somebody so that they can make a move against Reba because at this point they have the majority and that's kind of a problem, right? <laughs> at at this stage of the game. So I think uh, with, you know, what we're seeing with Julie, I think she seems like she's probably the most likely to, um, to turn because it seems like, you know, Dean and Austin are very close and then Drew and Austin are very close, right? So I think that the possibility is that you know, Julie's going to kind of do something different. And she knows that either this is going to save her game or destroy her game, as she basically mentioned in the preview. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and who of that four will really be first to go. But like you mentioned, there are other advantages out there. So that might also come into play. And we also have immunity. So who's going to win immunity? That's going to be also a huge factor, too. Oh, 100%. And this is, you know, now we're getting down to the numbers. So uh, we're at final seven now. And so immunity is going to be just that much more important here because we really don't know. You know, like uh, there, uh, it's much, there is much less room to work with if your target wins immunity now than it did at final 10. Um, so, or I guess if final 10 was a normal vote, I should say that. But like at mm -hmm. final, let's say final 11. Um, the, you know, like when there are more people around, it's much easier to work with, uh, you know, if 
to work around uh, the person you want to target winning immunity or having an advantage. Now we're really getting down to the wire. And I'm really interested to see where things go here. But um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I'm kind of open to all possibilities at this point. I could see any of the Reba members going here. I would hate to lose another Bello member. Um, I don't think Emily is going here um, unless people catch on to her game. And I just don't think I think she's in too vital of a position for that to happen right now. So that's maybe the one thing I would be genuinely shocked by. But other than that, I think that we have a really interesting game moving forward. And this cast is incredible. So um, no matter how it plays out, I have a feeling that I will be happy in some form. Yeah. And I think like you just to kind of add on to what you said, like, you know, Emily is kind of in this sort of um, pretty good position. And I think that kind of also led her in a sense to not make the move because she was, you know, ultimately even talking to Bruce about certain things. She's like, I don't want to make a move. It's it's going to backfire. And then, you know, like I come back to, you know, to, to, you know, to the tribe and then this is kind of an issue. So she's really thinking about like, trying to stay safe and stay not as, you know, a huge threat. But then that's also where I'm like, you know, she may not necessarily be a target next week, but it's just really important to see, I guess, for her to figure out how is she going to, you know, break up that four. Because I think that that she has to figure that out because I think that's going to be difficult unless they yeah. all turn on themselves. But if she wants to make it to the end, that's that's the thing that she has to figure out since that wasn't the move that was made this week. But yeah. it now opens the opportunity for people to win immunity if, if Bruce isn't there, right? Yeah. So I think that'll Agreed. be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm so excited to see what happens with the rest of the season, especially next episode. Um, but Geneva, before we sign out... Um, we have one more task to do at the end of each episode, we individually assign an episode MVP here. So it can be for any reason. It could be, did this person make you laugh? Did this person come out on top at the end of this episode? Did you just like what this person had to say or did during this episode? So it could just be any criteria, Geneva. It could be the person that you think is going home next if you have any reason for it. So just like whoever you think was the episode MVP to you. Um, you can go first or I can go first if you'd like. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You should go first. You want me to go first? Okay, I'm, I'm going back and forth between two people. So um, if you have a different opinion, I'll definitely switch. Or if you have a same opinion of me, I'll definitely switch one of mine so we can get both represented in here. But I think the the clear MVP of this episode is Emily. I think she, you know, she's the one that gets the credit for convincing Bruce to not to play his idol. She won the reward. She is responsible for some of the funniest content we got this episode. Um, so I think that that would be like the straightforward MVP for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think one person that probably necessarily isn't what would be perceived as an MB MVP, but I'm going to say the MVP is going to be Jake. Um, just Ooh. because I mean, I think when you think about it, like Jake, Jake's gone through a lot, right? He has and gone through a lot. He's I... gone through a lot, but just seeing him continue to fight, even though his name is constantly out there, even though, you know, he's been lied to, even though he's gone through all this stuff, he is still managing to survive. And this is yes. survivor, right? So like the fact that he's, you know, you know, I think feeling, I think. 
I think even in some ways, like obviously he had some challenges, but he notices that people are talking to him more. You know, he yeah. he's feeling a little bit more confident. I think seeing his growth and also just his whole dynamic with Drew was hilarious. And he brought out some really great lines this episode. So like, I think, you know, just, just for that and, you know, trying to play the game and, you know, trying to keep himself safe, even with these challenges and, uh, and difficulties he's uh, that he's going through, you know, I, I think, I think he should be commended for yeah. that in that sense. But I do think definitely like Emily definitely had the best arc in, in this episode just because not only winning the reward for herself, but being able to make a strategic move that not only got an advantage out of the game, but somebody else like physically out of the game. So yeah. I think that that is a move, whether I agree with it or not, you know, we've definitely gone back and forth. I think that it is um, commendable and um, yeah. she's had some great moments. So I think it's been very interesting to also watch her grow throughout the season from originally being on, you know, Lulu and just, you know, yeah. going through this whole journey. So, yeah. Yeah. I think both are fantastic answers. I'm also going to add in Katora for mine too, because that was the other person I was going um, for here with like the two people I was wavering between. And not to say that like, she had a very rocky episode, but not for like more for like her personal game. And I think like that mm -hmm. vulnerability is something that's very special to me because I think that we rarely see that in Survivor without opening up scrutiny from whether it's fans or other players or um, like Jeff himself in some instances. So I think that, you know, and Jeff was very kind to Katora here. So I'm not saying that like in – uh, you know, that like Jeff was mean or any of the cast members were mean to her or anything like that. But I think like Katora had a very vulnerable episode. And for me, having her go through that was really meaningful to me. And um, I am really appreciating Katora as a contestant. So I also just want to add in her as, for a mention as well, because I, I think she's a fabulous human being. Um, she's been speaking up and advocating for herself a lot on social media, which I think is amazing. I think she gets a lot of unwarranted uh, hate online, which uh, Geneva, we had already talked uh, before the episode recorded. We are no strangers to some of our uh, friends in reality TV receiving unnecessary hate uh -huh. for stupid reasons. And I'm so glad that, you know, we, that we are getting to see her, that we are blessed with Katora on our screen. A hundred percent. She's yes. been really great. I've, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, getting to know her even more. And I think this episode, even though challenging for her, probably emotionally and yeah. mentally, I think just kind of learning more about her and then also she i guess in a sense too when you think about it she got the move that she wanted to happen all season happen right yes. so that's mvp in itself yes so with all that being said that is the end of our recap of survivor 45 episode 10 geneva thank you so much for joining me this was a fantastic girls night for me i had a great time talking about this episode with you and i'm so excited to see what survivor 45 serves us up next but of course as always i must ask where can people follow you and is there anything that you would like to promote Sure. So if people want to follow me, they can follow me on Twitter at peace, love, Jen, 
like short for Geneva, um, where I tweet about all the reality TV that I'm watching. I'm probably, I'm not even joking, probably watching like 11 or 12 reality shows right now at once. Like I literally have them listed because I can't keep track of them all in my head and like in a schedule. So if you want to know my takes on those shows, please follow me, tweet with me. We can talk chat about what what what's going on out there in in the reality tv world but um for those who uh know the wonderful sarah carradine sarah and i are actually on post show recaps right now talking about the buccaneers so if you are familiar with that show you know you should listen to our podcast and if you're not and you just want to hear um sarah and i talk about uh, american women um being with some potential uh, british people and fun stuff like that, then you should definitely check out our podcast. It's available um, on Post Show Recaps and also in the Bridgerton Post Show Recap feed. Where can people find you, Gia? Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure, Geneva. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ClassicallyGia for all of my reality TV shenanigans. Here on Silent Podcasts, I am doing, I don't know about that, our regular weekly recaps of Survivor US, but also I am doing Slosh Survivor as like a, a special, you know, we get special episodes out every once in a while. It's not a regular podcast, do the premise of it, but we are... Uh, we do weekly or not weekly. Sorry, we combine our favorite uh concepts of uh drunk history and Survivor and talk about some of our favorite moments in Survivor history over a couple drinks. It is great. It is so much fun. And uh, we just recorded an episode. Was it yesterday or two two days ago? I believe so. I got to put it through the editing process, but there is more slash Survivor coming. I promise. Also, please follow the Survivor Diversity campaign on Twitter at Serve Diversity. That's at S U R V Diversity, and please uh, read our weekly recaps on Inside Survivor, our weekly roundups with me and my good friend Christine Palin. Thank you all so much for continued support. I don't know about that. And I can't wait to talk about episode 11 once it comes out. So bye.